Um, here at Eden, we're committed to encouraging one another to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we do that in a number of ways. Haven't we just enjoyed a wonderful service together? Uh, and Engage is an opportunity to cast our eyes a bit further, to look at the, the complex world in which we live. Um, and for anyone who's just moved to Cambridge, or if you've been here for quite a while, you'll only be too aware that um, people are pretty busy uh, and uh, using their gifts, their talents, juggling work, church, um, voluntary work, whatever it is, life is busy. And that creates frustration, sense of guilt, perhaps. How do we manage all these opportunities? How do we juggle these priorities? Um, and how is our walk with the Lord in all of that? How do we reconcile it all with the Lord? Well, Angeline, we're very grateful, Angeline, that you're going to be walking us through this issue of how we abide with Christ in the busyness of life. Her session is called Not Enough Hours in the Day, Haste, Hurry, Hustle, and Abiding in Christ. Shall I pray first? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us in the busyness of life. We ask in the peace of this session that you will use Angeline's thoughts and words that you've given her to speak to us now, to lead us through and to bring us into a better place of walking with you in the life that you have given us, the richness of life that you've given us, for which we praise you. But Lord, we ask that you will, you'll help us this morning and help Angeline. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Martin. Um, I've really enjoyed thinking about this subject, haste, hurry, hustle, and abiding in Christ, a bit more intentionally over the last few months. Um, so I'm really looking forward to our discussion as we dig into this topic today um, and over the next hour. Because we've started a bit late, um, we'll aim to finish at um, by 1.15, um, but if you need to head off before then, please don't feel embarrassed, I won't be offended. Um, I'll do some talking, but not for too long, hopefully, then we'll all do some discussing in small groups and pairs, just where we're sat Um, And then the plan is at the end there'll be a bit of time for questions. So I should say at the start that I'm going to quote the words and ideas of the American pastor John Mark Comer so much in this seminar that it would be hard to credit him in every instance. So please instead just safely assume that um, anything good that follows is just um, influenced by the faithful teaching of our our wonderful pastors here at Eden and um, the wisdom of others who've thought and written and spoken about this topic. So why are we looking at this subject today? In the feedback survey that we shared last summer, asking for topic ideas to explore through engaged sessions, lots of questions were raised around how we can responsibly steward our time, how we can live faithfully in a society that's obsessed with productivity, and how we can be fully present, how we can find quiet in an age of unending content and in a culture which is constantly switched on. So that that might have been prompted by a couple of sermons that we've also heard over the last year, especially in the Psalms series. We've been confronted by the reality that God created the world according to his design, to a pattern, and so therefore there's a right way to live and flourish in his creation. When I was reading those anonymous survey responses, I was so relieved to find that I'm not alone in struggling to know how best to use my time that I'm not alone in being sometimes frustrated at myself, feeling like I've got my priorities wrong or that I've let people down by not managing my time well, annoyed at myself for falling into rhythms of life which are just so lazy in line with the culture that we live in. So if you submitted questions along those lines, thank you, I'm glad I'm not alone. And I have a hunch that for many of us, this topic is bubbling away under the surface to some extent. 
even if you didn't suggest it. I think most of us can relate to it. Think back to this past week for a moment. Think back to your own week. Did your workload, whether that's paid work or in the home or care responsibilities or your studies or a combination of all the above, at any point feel too much? Did it feel like there wasn't enough time in the day? After spending the daylight hours chasing your tail, trying to get everything done, did you go to bed later than you'd hoped? Exhausted, too weary to pray or reflect on the day just passed? Have you, maybe even today, answered the question, how are you, with tired, or how is your week, with busy, productive? Those aren't wrong answers, and we do want to be honest with each other, but sometimes I wonder if busy and tired are more often than not just acceptable default answers which we don't have to think about and which keep the asker at arm's length. Where has your mind gone when it's wandered this week? Have you even let it wander, or has it always been too full of your to-do list, accompanied by the permanent distraction of constant content from your phone? Have your days been too full of tasks and noise to have even just a moment of quiet? Life is busy, and the values in the air in Cambridge exalt busyness as an achievement. And it's not all bad. I'm not going to talk in black and white terms like that. Because we're busy serving church, encouraging each other, sharing the good news, caring formally or informally, working hard and playing hard, feeling our feelings, grieving and rejoicing, praying and trying to meal plan and grocery shop as well. And depending on our personalities and our temperaments, our situations, responsibilities and our energy levels, we'll bring different concerns to this question and we'll respond differently in our discussion today. But for all of us, instead of just surviving these busy times, getting through them under our own steam like really determined little Thomas the Tank Engines, living like God isn't with us on the track and just striving to reach the next station where finally we'll connect with God again and once again enjoy his presence. Instead of just surviving, it is possible to abide in Christ, to approach and experience those seasons of not enough hours in the day from a sense of being loved and upheld by the God who is making all things new, and to go through those days, hour by hour, from a place of joy and peace, abiding in Christ. Approaching our days in an attitude of haste and hurry can come from a place of asserting our significance before the audience of our lives. It can be an escape from ourselves and our own thoughts. It leaves little space for God to speak into our hours and days, and it leaves little space for the Holy Spirit to pilot us in a direction other than that which we've set our minds on. And it feels really comfortable a lot of the time. It's the default mode of our culture. From the outside, maybe it doesn't look to be doing too much harm. But where does that hurry come from? This approach to life which sees our days bursting at the seams, so much so that we have to regularly pull out our phone to keep up with messages and and to keep up with where we're supposed to be next, when in fact there's a real human being in front of us. As John Mark Homer puts it, having too much to do speeds everything up to a pace which is incompatible with giving and receiving love, firstly with God and then with others. We want to be capable of doing more than is actually good for us and for those around us. And so we hurry from one thing to the next. We want a limitless capacity for everything, whether that's for our own sense of fulfillment or from FOMO or as a form of distraction. 
or caused by a sense of others looking on into our lives and wanting to show them we've got it all together. We can, in fact, do just about everything. That doesn't seem wildly unrelated from wanting to know everything too, does it? To have full knowledge of good and evil. And I know that sounds familiar. The transgressing of our limitations and our humanity is a tale as old as time. And it's still playing out in our lives and in our society, even in the seemingly mundane things of everyday lives. The culture that we live in is obsessed with productivity. It's the measure of how our day has been, how satisfied we feel. But we can notice how it struggles under its own deception, how it longs to know how to make best use of the time, how it longs for the kind of rest found only in God. Even some of our language around time is telling of our cultural angle on it. We spend time, we waste time, we kill time, time is money. Time is presented to us as a commodity at best, And because what we see and hear and how we say things impacts the way we experience them, this has an impact on us, even as we follow Jesus. We think we can master time as we master other commodities. As we look to abide in Christ amidst a culture of haste and hurry, we're not looking to master time. As we try to discern what's best in stewarding the time God has given each of us, we realise that a perfect stewardship of our time just isn't possible because we are not God. But we can approach our time from a stance of receiving the blessings of God, experiencing the goodness of his creation and the goodness of our creaturehood. We want to recapture a biblical theology of limits, not only to think it and know it, but to live it. My hope is that as we discuss and as we share with each other, God will help us have insight into our own lives on how we can approach time, um, how we can approach the time we have with who we want to live for and who we want to become at the very centre. And now's our first opportunity for some discussion. So we're going to have about 10 minutes for this. Um, Turn in small groups or pairs, wherever you're sat, um, and we'll spend 10 minutes just discussing these questions. Um, They'll stay on the screen Feel free to make a note if you'd like to. So, what are the responsibilities of your life that cause you to hurry? How does it make you feel to be hurrying, having too much to do? How does it make you feel to be seen by others to be having to hurry? And what impact does hurry have on those around you? Do you consciously plan margin into your days and weeks when you're considering your plans? Why and why not? And in this instance, margin means time unassigned to tasks and responsibilities. And how do you think your relationship with hurry affects your experience of your relationship with God? Think about what it could feel like to live each day full of the love and joy and peace which comes from abiding in Christ. Is that appealing? Is it your experience? Does it even seem possible? So we'll take 10 minutes now. We'll come back together at 12.30. Um, Don't spend too long on question one. Um, Just name a couple of the areas that come to mind, just so those you're discussing with can get an idea of your life context. Um, and then dive into question two and go from there. Um, And then I'll bring us back together in 10 minutes. The writer Annie Dillard once wrote, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is, in fact, what we're doing. And along similar lines, more recently, Dolly Alderton wrote, who we are is just what we get up and do every day.
To faithfully steward the time God has given us, we need to go with the grain of his creation, and that's a daily decision and intention. John Mark Comer has a lot of things to say about our culture of hurry and abiding in Christ in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. One brilliant distinction he draws out at the start is that we're quick to declare that we trust and believe that Jesus is the truth and the life, but we are slow to trust that he's the way. He's the way to the Father, but do we know him as the way of life these days and hours we're living now? Do we consciously pattern our own attitude to time after his? When we look at the Gospels, at how and where Jesus spends his time and attention, we see that he offers his disciples a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity. With ease, at his side, like two oxen in a field, tied shoulder to shoulder, with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting, at his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. If you were around at Eden late spring last year, you might have heard Julian preaching on Psalm 127 and how it shines a light on living against or with the grain of creation in modern-day Cambridge. A psalm about the vain ineffectiveness of rising early, of staying up late, continuing in endless toil. He said, anyone who doesn't have an entire day off per week is entirely balmy. Do my best Julian impression. (laughs) Why would any of us wreck God's pattern of a day off a week by reading work emails? What kind of self-destructive, self-seeking, disobedient, unbelief kind of attitude reads work emails on your one day off a week? We destroy ourselves psychologically if we do not follow God's patterns and gifts and receive them. We destroy ourselves psychologically if we do not follow God's patterns and gifts and receive them not holding back in that sermon. (laughs) After that sobering warning, Julian continued that to avoid this psychological and spiritual destruction, we need to create space for living in God's pattern, and we need to create space to reflect on how we're living. We need to make a space to hear the gracious voice of invitation to rest, and the gracious warning that not doing so will lead to building a house of cards. Our pastor who knows us and loves us and knows the culture that we live in points to the wisdom of living in a pattern of six days of work, one day of unwork per week, a pattern evident in creation. That one day of unwork might also be called Sabbath, a day of rest. And for most of us, it's likely to be a Sunday, already marked out as different from the rest of the week by how Sunday calls us to meet together as a church family, to worship God and to fellowship with each other in a really focused way. But for lots of us, that's the extent of our resting. We wake up, scroll through our phones, stick some laundry on, hurry into church, hurry on to errands in town, look regretfully at our to-do list from the week just past, shuffle things around to see if we can fit anything extra into the coming week, scroll through our phones some more, watch too much TV, and then when our heads hit the pillow, later than we'd know is good for us, We treat ourselves to one final scroll through the phone until our eyes are so heavy that we just give in and sleep. I hope that's not just me. Well, I do hope it's just me. And that's the one day of rest. No wonder we feel like it's over before it's begun. Coma reflects on that kind of consistently unplanned, unguarded use of our day of rest. There's a cost to not seeking silence and solitude. Emotional unhealth sets in. 
and we start living from the surface of our lives, not the core. So it matters how we spend that one rest day per week. Our culture's definition of rest is really sorely lacking. At most, it's a day off from paid work and uninterrupted time in front of Netflix. But rest which goes with the grain of creation, which seeks rest for the whole of our being as a finite creature beloved by God is so much more than that. Rest is so much more than pausing briefly from chores to distract ourselves with limitless content, the endless possibilities to purchase and consume and be entertained. We can rest in a way which is creating space to open yourself up to a power far beyond your own, that of the Holy Spirit, creating time and space to access God himself at the deepest, <clears throat> excuse me, at the deepest level of your being. Sabbath is an act of trust in God. It's how we practice the sovereignty of God, not just believing it in our heads, but living it in our bodies. This kind of rest is the embodiment of trust, the embodiment of receiving God's grace. This is abiding in Christ. A focused day a week, abiding in Christ, or in other words, resting, is the, in the full sense of the word, flows into the rest of life in the mon- to the Monday to Friday. <clears throat> and I want to acknowledge that amongst us will have very different life circumstances, and that was probably revealed in our discussion time earlier. And so what we're moving towards here isn't something to add to a checklist of chores, but instead is an invitation from Jesus, the God who knows the details of our lives, who knows how he's made us, and who loves us. Next, I'll, I'll suggest what some markers of Sabbath rest are, this better, fuller kind of rest, And then we'll have some discussion time to roam around those details of our own specific circumstances and consider what leaning further into Sabbath rest could look like for us. So what is Sabbath rest? It's more than just not checking our work emails. It's not a day off paid work during which you get your chores done. Its holistic, broad definition is anything which indexes your heart towards grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness indexes your heart towards grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness. God has woven a pattern of six days of work, one day of rest, into the universe and into our souls. So it's not opt-in or opt-out. And attempting to opt-out leads to what Julian described as psychological destruction. To rest like this is an exercise of contentment. We stop paid work, home improvements, shopping, and we say we have enough. This ordinary life I have is enough. I have all I need in Christ. Sabbath rest is therefore a faithful act of resistance. It's a way to declare that what we have is enough to break our addiction to accomplishments and accumulation and instead drink deeply from the well of ordinary life. So the question for each of us is, what could I do for 24 hours that will fill my soul with deep joy? The kind of rest that will result in awe and wonder and gratitude and praise the kind of rest that's generative. Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of being in the world. It's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding, from living in the Father's loving presence all week long. And the more we practice it, the more it happens. As the philosopher-musician Sufjan Stevens once sang, as you abide in peace, so will your delight increase. Comer is realistic that this kind of rest doesn't just happen. He continues, 
There's a discipline to the Sabbath that is really hard. It takes intentionality and won't just happen to you. It takes planning and preparation. It takes self-control. The ability to say no to a bunch of good things so you can say yes to the best things. But Sabbath is the primary discipline and practice by which we cultivate the spirit of restfulness in our lives as a whole. An orchestra rehearses, a sports team trains, a Christian abides in Christ. A deep and regular reorienting to abiding in Christ intentionally will spill out into how we approach the rest of the week. It will give us space to seek God's wisdom for stewarding our time well, and it will give us the quiet we need to pay attention to the Spirit's work in our lives. In another recent sermon on blessed rest last November, Graham said, Sabbath is a weekly festival of stopping and resting. God has built rest into the story of the world, and we're invited to join him. It's woven into the pattern of good work, not an interruption to it. It's a fundamental aspect of it. The Sabbath is blessed and made holy. It's God's gift, not created by us. We have to contend to be obedient to receive Sabbath rest. The rhythm of Sabbath rest is the start of stewarding time well, because it invites us to reorientate our lives on Christ. How might this full kind of rest transform every facet of our lives and our discipleship to Christ? I think it will have far-reaching, life-changingly good consequences for our joy, for our acts of service, for our worship, for our communities, our friendships, our marriages, our sense of wonder and awe, and our enjoyment of being God's beloved children. True restfulness is a form of awareness, a way of being in life. It is living ordinary life with a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. Discussion time round two. So we're going to have another ten minutes on this. Uh, And some new questions for you will stay on the screen. When did you last feel like you were resting in thankful worship for more than just an hour's or an hour and 45 minutes Sunday service at Eden? (laughs) How can you regularly schedule this? What stops you from scheduling this? What could this look like for you, even this week, or looking ahead to Lent? What's the one small change you could make which could create some space and margin? Or how will you enter the type of rest which is defined by worshipful gratitude? The kind of rest which is life-giving to you. So just in those same groups and pairs, we'll have ten minutes now, so that'll take us to just after ten to one. Um, So go for it, and I'll call us back together. We are coming to a close. Um, And as we do so, let's just step back for a moment and consider the goodness of God in calling us to rest in the first place, to abide in Christ. Doesn't that invitation speak volumes of his kindness? At this point um, in the year, our New Year's resolutions might be fading. Maybe um, many of those might have involved some kind of desire to draw closer to God, to enjoy him, to love him. Maybe we're discouraged we haven't made it a full month yet without keeping them perfectly. No, it's the wrong way around. Maybe we're discouraged we haven't kept them perfectly. You know what I mean. But just to remind us of something that we know. His mercies are new to us every morning, and day by day he is renewing us. So let's keep encouraging each other in this, in our home groups and in one-to-ones and small groups, in our friendships. 
Let's be resting in the Lord together, aiming towards that by the questions we ask, the way we listen to each other, the prayers we pray for each other. I think there's so much even from this morning's sermon that connects um, with what we've been thinking through. Um, So why not use conversations in the rest of the day to um, explore that more together? One thing that helps me to rest in worshipful gratitude is poetry. I love how the form of it slows me down, how it often requires repeated readings, seems to me a rebellion against hurry even in its very form. So to draw to a close, I'm going to read one of Mary Lowne's favourite poems. (laughs) Then I'll pray, and then we have a couple of minutes for questions. So feel free to close your eyes as you listen, or to look at the screen, um, or whatever you'd like. I'm going to read it twice. The Bright Field by R.S. Thomas. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had treasure in it. I realize now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had treasure in it. I realize now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. Loving Father, we thank you for your invitation to rest in Christ, in his finished work. Thank you for giving us good limitations for these lives we live in your creation. Only when we dwell fully with you in the new heavens and the new earth will our rest be complete and perfect, as we enjoy the final reconciliation of all things under Christ. Until then, we ask for your help to live abiding in Christ, Please help us to make our home in him alone day by day and grant us the humility to trust, discipline to rest and courage to put down our own agendas so that we might bear fruit from abiding in him. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Well, there is a bit, a bit of time for questions. I don't know what the plan is for that. We probably want a microphone. Is that... Is that the right sort of idea? Um, and because I'm not very good at thinking on my feet, and because I know there's lots of wisdom in the rows in front of me, looking at you, Emma Lockyer, on this subject, on the, the practice of this kind of thing, and um, lots of people who are familiar with John Mark Comer's whole vibe, um, I yeah, don't want to pretend to stand here and have all the answers to everything. So um, if someone asks a question and you think, I've got something useful to say about that, raise your hand and we can have a discussion yeah does anyone have any questions or thoughts
you next, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, feel free to head off if you need to go. Don't be embarrassed. Um, so there's, there's carving out the, the margin, the free time to rest, but then there's knowing what to actually do with it. And I was wondering if you or somebody else could say a bit more about that. Yeah, what, what to actually do with it. Um, I guess that's where the, the kind of where we're made differently, what we find brings us into worshipful gratitude in those moments of margin will probably be, be different. I guess the basics would be um, picking up the word and, and reading a psalm just as a real like basic starter. I've enjoyed um, yeah, being prompted to do that and actually having the margin and space to be able to follow through on that prompt um, now and again uh, over these last few months. Um, does anyone else want to respond on that in terms of when we've got space? Is that, oh, there's an arm up over there. Is that David Baker? <laughs> Thanks, Martin. <laughs> uh, this is a pretty minor point, but I feel like the decision we're making a margin to say decide to walk somewhere instead of cycle somewhere both addresses a sort of hurrying aspect that we were talking about earlier. But I think also just sort of taking a step back from, in helping to take a step back from responsibility and just focus on, say, the glory of God in creation, which is a bit different to sort of reading your Bible specifically, but actually just sort of slowing down, walking, appreciating the world around you, what God's done in it, is for me a good way of sort of abiding in rest on the weekend and just because it's easy to do, Hmm. because, you know, it doesn't take that long to say walk to your department or walk to church, or whatever. It's something that, for me, has been very helpful. Thanks, David. Yeah, that's a good reminder of the just having the silence and solitude maybe as the starting point, um, rather than um, necessarily feeling like we need to be active. But then there will be times when we can be more active. Um, and and I, think that, I think probably the starting point is just exploring things that give us joy and going from there. We've got um, Elizabeth had had her hand up previously, and then John put his hand up. Hi. So ha- I find it very difficult to like rest in Christ without feeling that I need to actively pursue Him, and you know, like reading a psalm and things like intercessory prayer. I find isn't very restful, which I, you can Im- imagine. So how do you rest in Christ, basically? Mm. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think there are just so many answers to that question, aren't there? (laughs) How do you rest in Christ? Um, We've got a response over here, and while the microphone gets over there, there's... um, You just said, let me love you. Amen. To sit, and there's a a story of an old lady who sat in the cathedral day after day after day, and she would just sit there. And eventually the priest said, what are you doing? And she said, well, he looks at me, and I look at him, and that is enough. So let me love you. Mm, yeah. And it, it, it'll feel a bit uncomfortable if, like, if that's a new practice to us, to sit and empty um, our minds of our to-do lists and what's on our agendas next. But I think if we give ourselves a minute to do that, we'll ease into it, and then that might grow to two minutes and maybe five minutes, and we'll feel a bit less lost on how to do that. 
That's great. Let me love you. What a great line. Uh, I just have two, th two thoughts about that. One is that um, I think it's often actually really hard to, like, if we're really tired and it, it's often hard to spend time with God that isn't, like, sufficiently active and energized to keep me going on the kind of adrenaline and pushing through and whatever. And so actually, I think one slightly kind of much more occasional, I guess, thing is to try and have times where for long enough we're not busy and tired, you know, whether it's like taking a whole day or whatever, so that you can be like, actually, if I try and stop right now, I will go to sleep. But that is okay because then I'll wake up <laughs> and I'll be able, do you know what I mean? I think there's something about that. I also think I find it really hard to empty my mind entirely. And I think something that's sometimes helped me with that is, is doing like, is praying sort of with a, with a bit of the Bible, but super slowly and not trying to like learn something new about this bit of the Bible or study lots of it or whatever, but just trying to just enjoy and sort of mull on and chew over something very obvious mm. slowly gives me like something for my brain to focus on so that it's easier not to just run away and do other stuff but it's still not it's not hard work and I'm not do you know what I mean I'm just trying to chew on it and enjoy it and rest in it mm, thanks right Emma's got her hand up benefits from proximity to the microphone <laughs> yeah exactly I thought I'm right here anyway um, I think possibly two things help me with that the most the first would be just slowing down um and the second would be doing things with gratitude because that in and of itself is worship um so just like making a nice meal and enjoying it and you're not then you're not kind of striving like how can i abide in christ you're going oh god you've given me this food and it's mm -hmm. amazing and thank you and that's you're receiving rather than striving oh. that's a good word John, John's raising his arm. This is just an addition to what David said. Uh, um, I find it quite hard to sort of uh, pray in situ at home, but going for a walk is just wonderful. So, you know, engaging with nature, burning up some energy, just, and I can pray, and it's great. Mm. I'm, it's not, I'm not always that free. But when I, when I am, it's just so wonderful. So that's me. Thanks, John. And it fits so well in terms of what Jesus, uh, Julian was saying this morning about <laughs> Jesus is amongst us. It's an easy mistake um, to make, Martin. On anxiety, <laughs> you know, to, to reflect, if you can, on the goodness, the, the goodness of others. Yes. And, and the beauty that there is in, in nature around us. Fits so well with this morning's sermon. Yeah. Is there anyone else who wants to say anything, ask a question, or contribute? Mike. It's just a question. I wonder if you have any thoughts about, I feel like probably for a lot of us, making more space to, to rest and abide in Christ would involve having, spending less time with some people or doing mm -hmm. like specific things do you have any thoughts about uh, either how to kind of deal with the like sense of guilt in ourselves about that or about how to like say to somebody else I can't do that 
in, like, in a good way that doesn't... Because I think it feels selfish if you sort of say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't call you or I can't do this thing because I will be resting by myself. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Any thoughts? Of, and I realise you probably can't solve that, but any thoughts? Yeah, one side of this that we've not had a chance to get into at all is what this looks like in community. So I don't want to make it sound like Sabbath rest is an individualistic thing that can only be done alone. And John Mark Comer has a lot of good thoughts, <laughs> surprisingly, about how it can be done in community. Um, and, and, I, and I think, again, his, his thing of it not happening by accident and needing some intention um, comes into play there, especially um, if you're inviting other people kind of into patterns of rest. Um, Yes, please do, Liffy. But I think we should follow our master. And he took time, and he went away to pray and to leave the crowd. And I think we have permission to do that, and we should do it. Amen. Yes, Tim's got his hand up. Yeah, I think, and Mike, to, to that, that I've found people being honest about it as well has been quite helpful of, of them going actually explaining the whole thought process of actually I'm not going to meet up, I do have the time but I'm just so knackered I need a day, you know and just and this is why and it just becomes a lot easier to, to sympathise and you know, once the other person understands then you feel less guilty as well I think Any more final thoughts, questions? I said final. They don't need to be final because obviously we're a church family and can carry on talking about these things and working through them and sharing ideas for things um, and encouraging each other in it, can't we? So, yeah, thanks everybody for coming. It, uh, yeah, we'll, fi- we'll finish now uh, so you can go and have restful Sunday afternoons. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Angeline, very much indeed. Shall I just say a prayer? Just, Heavenly Father, please help us abide in you, abide in Christ today and this week. Help us find those ways. In Jesus' name, amen.